You're getting me two weeks in a row. Just imagine I'm Hannah. <laughs> Taller and blonder. Um, our scripture reading today is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And it says this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. So, um, do you have a tell? I know you do. Not a tell like this, but a tell, T-E-L-L. To do that because my southern comes out occasionally and it gets a little funky. When you hear a story that you might not quite think, oh, I don't know that that cuts the pub test. I don't know that that actually is accurate. What, what, what is your tell? What is the thing that happens to you that would make everyone else know, I'm not sure they actually are buying what is being said right now? Is it perhaps that you, you cross your arms and you kind of lean back? Be careful, I've passed out doing that before. You lean back. Is it perhaps you might like, oh, stroke your face? Is it your eyebrows raised really big? Like, hmm, okay. I think each and every one of us have that. Um, it's always good to know that if you're playing poker with people, because you know when they're lying, and that's excellent. Not that you should play poker, by the way, just saying. But when you are hearing a story that causes you to doubt, you let people know that. You might not recognize it. But you do. Last year, there was a paper put out called Faith and Doubts. And in that paper, it did a survey. And in that survey, they realized that from 14 years old and above, out of the people that they surveyed, over 50% uh, said that at some point over the last two years, they had doubts about their faith. George Barna Group, which is a group of people that like to gather statistics about churches, and they actually make money doing that, believe it or not. They did a report in 2017, and in their report it said 64% of Christians, of all Christians, have at some point in their faith journey doubted their faith. So the first thing I want to say to you as you come to this place, whether you are someone who has walked in faith for a long time or you are just sort of trying to figure out if faith is something to be a part of, if Christ is someone you should follow, is that it is absolutely beyond average for you to at some point in this journey go to yourself Hmm, I'm just not sure. 
However, I also want to let you know that there is something that has been given to those of us who believe in Jesus as the one who has come to seek and to save us, an assurance that is built in in the process of our belief. It's found here in this chapter, the verse and chapter that we read. Let me read it again to you. And you also are included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So the first thing I want you to know is doubt is not unusual. It is something that comes into each and every one of us. Those who are just trying to figure this out and those of us who maybe have been even your pastor will have doubts. There was at one point in my life where I wasn't quite sure about all of this. That I thought, oh, maybe I'm just doing this because my dad did it and my granddad did it and beyond and beyond and beyond. But it has been through the study of scripture, it has been through walking with others who are believing. It has been them pushing into my life and me pushing into their life that I've grown to the understanding of this great gift of the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit that comes to us when we believe. And in that we receive assurance. Not only of our salvation, but of the message of truth. Verse 13 then. That when we hear the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation, who Jesus is, what God is doing in the world, how he is calling us to be active participants in his remaking and renewing of all things, that in that the Holy Spirit comes to be a seal and a deposit for us, making us assured of what is to come, a deposit guarantee. It's odd to me that over the last two sermons that I'm preaching, uh, one a couple of weeks ago and the one today, is that I'm using an illustration from a time in my life that I felt most distant from God. Back when I was selling homes, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I told you about the man that we had to set up that blew air all in him. The other thing that used to happen with us when, when we were selling homes is someone would come in and they would pick a, a, a site to build that home in the neighborhood and, and we would write up a contract. And at the end of the contract, they would have to write us a check for $250 or $500 or $1,000, depending on the size of the house that they were building and what they, by the way, a check, young people, is a piece of paper that you write on that it says, I'm going to pay this. Uh, you can draw it out of my account. But they do still exist, by the way. Just. That's right. So at the end of the contract, we would say, uh, now's the time for your deposit. 
or your earnest money. And they would write a check for $500. They would make it out to the company. They would give it to me, and I would gather all the contracts that I had written. If it was a good week, there would be a few. And then I would take them to the home office. I would give them to them. But one of the things that we would do right after they wrote the check is we would go out to our map of our community, and I would take a sticker that said sold on it. And we would lift up the glass, and we would go right there, number 53, and they would put sold on that. Now, catch this. They weren't pre-approved already. We didn't know if they could actually buy that house. I mean, I've done work to determine that they probably could if they were telling me the truth. We would have to now get a mortgage broker and go through all of that. Then the house would have to be built. And in the community that I was in, it was a lag time of 12 to 13 months. But they could always come in and look at that map and see that little dot that said sold because they put $500 down for it. And then they got a pre-approval. And then they had to maintain their life and make sure they didn't do anything to lose that pre-approval. And so something that happened every week is I would go through a list of everyone that I had sold those houses to, and I would call them. And I would ask them questions that seemed somewhat silly. Did you go buy a car this week? Oh, your dishwasher broke down in your rental, and it was your requirement to fix it. And how did you get a dishwasher to put in there? Oh, you charged it. Okay. That's not good. I had to constantly walk with them and hold hands with them as they walked that 12 to 13 months before finally, at the end of construction, they were able to walk into a settlement room and get the keys to that house. And then for another 20 to 30 years, they still didn't actually own it until they paid it off completely. Unlike that $500 and the sign of the sticker that says soul, the deposit of the Holy Spirit is an assurance that cannot be broken. It's a promise that God makes to us that when we believe he gives us Holy Spirit in order for us to be assured of what is happening now and what is to come. That at that moment, God puts his ownership sticker on us. And that he constantly looks at us, not in a way of saying, someday I will redeem that completely. But that it is redeemed already all the way. That it is completely mine. This person has become my person. You have become his people. And he has become your God. Now, in some of our circles of folks that attend this particular gathering, we have a, a saying called the perseverance of the saints. That once God has sealed you, there is nothing that will remove you from that seal. And that's a beautiful thing. It's an assurance that says, yes, I might stumble. Yes, I might fall. Yes, I might walk away. But because Holy Spirit in me, he will call me up. 
Holy Spirit will say, did you, did you, did you buy a dishwasher on credit? Right? The Holy Spirit is the one who is calling us at every moment and every day, not to tell us just how bad we are, but to give us the assurance that if we walk in the light, if we step in the ways of Jesus, that doesn't guarantee our salvation, but we do that because our salvation is guaranteed already. So those moments where you feel a tinge of, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And shame maybe begins to walk in. Our human inclination is to justify it. And so we move towards doubt. But the Holy Spirit gives us assurance, which lets us know I'm forgiven already for that. And I can step into it. I don't have to hide from it. And I can move forward. There's a couple of other places that Paul uses this imagery, and I've put them in your uh, worship booklet for you to look at. 2 Corinthians 10, 20 and tw through 22, and 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. I, I want to read that second one to you. It says, For we know that if in this earthly tent we live, if this earthly tent in which we live is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, meaning our body now, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Paul in this passage is letting us know that this world that we live in, this fleshy body that we walk in is not equipped to actually handle completely the deposit of the Holy Spirit. That in it we will groan, anticipating, longing for it to be completed. As it already is. But just not yet for us. And so we walk in this way of knowing that we are God. Because Holy Spirit reminds us of that as a seal and a deposit guaranteeing it. The second thing that a deposit or a seal does for someone is it gives them purpose. Uh, now when those folks bought homes for me and those phone calls that I were making, they had a purpose to do what things they needed to do to get into that home. If they wanted to close and settle and get the keys, then they had to do certain things to be able to get there. They, they had a purpose, a goal. When we recognize that Holy Spirit is living within us and that we are guaranteed this great future to live with Christ forever in his glory, that we're already walking in those things that gives us a purpose to live for. Not some pie in the sky like, I can't wait to get out of this earth. But because of what Christ did while he was here, I too can do those very things. 
I can live in a way that gives honor and glory to him, that draws other to himself. And so we move into a place of purpose. As 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4 reminds us, his divine power has given us, that's the Holy Spirit, has given us everything we need for our godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through this, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We are locked step with Jesus as the Holy Spirit is our assurance, walking in the power that he has provided in that assurance for us to live lives that are honoring to him. One John couldn't put it more clearly, found in verse four, chapter thir- verse, chapter, verse, chapter four, verse thirteen. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us His Spirit. We live for God because His Spirit lives within us. We are now called the children of God. Not by anything we have done, but by what God has done, bringing us to this place. And so we have an assurance to live our lives because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have a purpose to move forward in our lives because of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And more than that, we have a power to live this life because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the thing that empowers us to live our lives towards Him towards God's glory, and to be all that we have been created to be. In Philippians 3, 19 through 21, it's another chapter, verse that's in your book. Everything that I'm reading today is in your worship booklet. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mindset is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. That when Jesus returns, we will know him because we will be like him. We will know him because our lives will have emulated him imitated and walked with him, being Jesus in this world today. Why? Because we're so good? No, because Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us the way to live this life. In Ephesians 4, later in that book that we started from, verses 25 through 32, Paul begins to say, hey, since you are in Christ, I want you to do these things. So Ephesians 4, 4, uh, starting in verse 25 through 32. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. 
In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building up of others, up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, and God has forgiven you. Notice there in the middle of these things that you're supposed to run away from and the things that you're supposed to do, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And when we look at that and we try to understand what is it that would grieve the Holy Spirit of God, it is when we walk against the ways that God has set us forth to do. If we are to look at this, we can see that holy grieving the Holy Spirit of God sitting there in the center saying, look, if you do these things or if you pursue these things, it will keep you from grieving the Holy Spirit or this will grieve the Holy Spirit. That grieving word is a word of sorrow. It's not a word of anger. It's not a word of disgust. It's not a word of isolation. It's that God himself laments when we do not walk in the way he has made us to walk. He grieves when we do not step into our created being of all of who we are to be who God has made us to be. When doubt comes to us, we often will want to figure it out. Because doubt is uncomfortable. Whether it be a story that somebody telling us, because then you're thinking that they're a liar, and that's uncomfortable. When it's a, a proposition or a belief structure that you're walking into, when you have doubt, that's scary, especially if you've been walking in it a long time. And so we want to figure it out. And oftentimes what we will end up doing is trying to have a mental assent to it or an emotional experience to it that will change it. We'll, we'll chase after some knowledge or we'll chase after uh, some feeling that we can have that could make it solid for us. Both of those ultimately will fade. Unless it is Holy Spirit that is moving while you are experiencing and discovering new knowledge. 
unless it is Holy Spirit that is the assurance we have for who we are and what is to come, that has given us a purpose to live this life and empowered us to live it for God. That sticker meant absolutely nothing until all the paperwork was signed and all the things were done and the cash moved from the bank to the builder and they received the keys. Jesus has already paid all that for us. And so we now walk in assurance of that. Let me pray. Father, if there is anything that I have preached today that does not come from you, we ask that it will not take residence in our hearts and in our minds. But if it does come from you, we ask that it will take residence in our hearts and our minds. And that we will experience you newly, that we will know you deeply, that we will love you empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's in your holy name we pray these things, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and respond in song together.